So once again, welcome. One of the things that uh, we have the intention of doing, especially in our meditation, in our sitting meditation and walking meditation, is to become, begin to become aware of states of mind, uh, kind of these, these qualities of mind that come and visit us. And in particular, I found it helpful to, become, uh, to start to become aware of states of mind that also can be really paralyzing, because when I can bring a quality of, of awareness to them, sometimes there's a little bit more freedom around around them. And I want to, tonight I want to talk about a particular flavor of a state of mind that some of you might be familiar with. And I feel like I'm all too familiar with this state of mind, unfortunately. And it's uh, what's called, at least you could say in this tradition of meditation, the judging mind. And maybe some of you have experienced it. It's that, it's that mind, right? It, that can be so so critical, so judgmental of, um, often it's around others, you know, we judge people on their appearance, how they look, how they walk, how they appear to us, what they say, how they act. And there can be a real harshness to that. And you might've noticed these thoughts that can come up when we judge others. And sometimes I think if it was only that, my life wouldn't be so bad, but it's not. I think the more paralyzing thing that I've noticed for myself is it can be the kind of incessant, constant judging of ourselves. And I noticed that when I slow down and sometimes become aware of those thoughts, it's, um, it's amazing the things I say about myself or say to myself, things that I would never imagine saying to another person. Just, um, they can be so critical and so harsh. And again, maybe you can relate to this, isn't it? Wild how our minds can really do a, quite a number on ourselves of really beating ourselves up around all kinds of things. And how paralyzing that can be and isolating that can be, that judging mind and how much momentum sometimes it can have. And it can have all kinds of storylines. Maybe you've noticed it can have the general storyline of I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough. I'm not tall enough. Or I'm too tall or I'm too short. I'm too large. I'm too skinny. I'm too insecure. I'm not funny enough. I'm not likable. I'm too angry. I'm too sad. And it's the berating that we have around those things. And of course, fill in your own phrase. You might even be able to think of one from today or yesterday or the last week, if you have a mind like mine. Judgmental. <laughs> a judgmental mind, yeah. And I think this has been one of the attractions about this practice is uh, I think for me, uh, much of my life, this has been one of the bigger challenges in my life is navigating the judgmental mind. And it's also been uh, where I've seen the promise of this practice, of the relief that has come around such a mind by doing this practice. And I'm so grateful to this tradition and to this practice and all the practitioners that have come before me to offer this practice to really allow for relief around that. So I want to get a little bit more specific about what I mean by the judging mind, about uh, judgment. 
in the judgmental mind and distinguish it from something else, which is actually quite important on the spiritual path, which is discernment. You could say the judging mind or judgment has a quality of, of insult to it. I'm either insulting another or I'm insulting myself. Whereas discernment, the mind that feels discerning, what I notice has a quality of wisdom to it. And discernment's very important along the spiritual path because it helps shape the direction um, I'm going in my life to, to, to go, in, my, uh, to go in, a, in a skillful direction rather than an unskillful direction. And so I want to give one simple example of this. And you're going to see that they're so close together and they're, they're, they're subtly different, but, but uh, significantly different, even though the, the difference is subtle. For example, I might reflect on maybe something that happened this morning or yesterday and realize, oh, wow, that statement, that statement that I said to that person really was filled with so much irritation. Oh, interesting. And that was a really unskillful thing to do. And so it's just discerning what was there. Oh, there was a state of mind of being really irritated or really angry or really upset. And then I said that unskillful thing. Oh, and then there was some harm that came, came from it. Oh, that's unskillful. And that's really radically different than having the realization, oh, I said that statement out of anger or irritation or being really upset. And I am such a horrible person because of that. And there's something really wrong with me because I did that. That's judgment. Then I'm taking that, that instance of saying something unskillful and then I'm insulting myself. And what I find is the first one is what I would call onward leading. I'm seeing skillful and unskillful ways of speaking. And the second one that is really fueled by the judgmental mind is so paralyzing because then I feel trapped in some way. Do you hear these are close, but really very, very different about how we live our lives. I want to open up the doorway for discernment, but I've never found being judgmental myself very helpful for learning how to be in the world in a different way. And maybe you can notice how seductive the judgmental mind is because it's sometimes I'm so convinced by it because I feel like it's the thing that's going to keep me in line in life. It's going to, the thing that's going to make it okay for me to be around other people or to be accepted around other people. Like I can't give that up. That would be a bad thing to give up. That's the seduction of the judgmental mind where I feel like, oh, this is my ticket to something better, but it, I've never found it to be. Maybe some of you have, but I haven't. And I think there's a, another quality to the judging mind that, again, um, you might be able to relate to is that when I'm lost in the judgmental mind, either judging others, so I'm judging somebody about what they said or what they did or how they looked or how they acted, it feels so right and true. <laughs> you ever notice that? <laughs> and the same towards myself. It's, it's like, it's amazing how compelling it is. It's like, it feels so right and true. Like, I really am a horrible person because of that. How could I not be? So it has a sense of conviction to it. So there's not any openness to it. And just the feeling in my body is my body seems to brace and tighten, especially when it's around myself. 
And I want to come back to this bracing and tightening because I feel like when I brace and tighten, when I'm, when I'm lost in the judgmental mind, I lose connection with myself. It's like I am, I am no longer inhabited, inhabiting this body and this life. It's like I've exited because I, I don't want to be here with myself. And I want to point out that even the Buddha had judgments of himself. And the way it takes form, at least that you find in these uh, discourses uh, of early Buddhism, these kind of these, these um, interchanges that he usually has with, has with other practitioners, there's a, a certain being that, is, that comes and visits the Buddha who's called Mara, who is this, uh, it's a deity who is... Um, uh, the deceiver, and you could say it's kind of the the psychological manifestation manifestation of the judgmental mind is, is one way. It's like giving giving kind of a, um, a, a, a quality of beingness to this judgmental mind. And so, what will happen as the story goes is that Mara, the deceiver, will come and visit the Buddha and whisper something in his ear, something usually kind of trying to knock him down in some kind of way. Like, I, I want to share with you one um, where the, the Amara uh, whispers to the Buddha, basically saying, you know, here you are, you've, you've deviated from all these austerity practices. And those of you who are on the retreat, not always talking about how the Buddha was involved in austerity practices before he came upon a path that really led to his awakening. And here's Mara whispering in his ears and saying, here you are, you've left those those practices behind by which, by which practitioners purify themselves. But here you are being impure and you think you're pure. I just want to point out to you, you have missed the path to purity. You're on the wrong path, buddy. <laughs> Maybe you too have heard Mara at times whisper in your ear. And how does the Buddha deal with Mara? And this happens again and again in these discourses. Is he just says these three words. I see you, Mara. And then at that point, which I really love, it said that, um, that Mara will say something. Oh, the Buddha, the Buddha knows me now. Oh, and then... Sometimes Mara would sit down cross-legged on the ground, not too far from the Buddha, silent, dismayed, sad, with shoulders drooping and head down, glum, and nothing to say, and scraping the ground with a reed. <laughs> so there's Mara, right? Mara, then just by the Buddha seeing Mara, Mara is completely disempowered. All the Mara can do is just kind of be glum and sad with sh shoulders dro drooping and kind of scratching the ground with a stick. <laughs> and I think that story of how the Buddha deals with Mara, Mara, I see you, this is the gateway to freedom that we're so interested in in our meditation. To actually, I don't have to even push the judging mind away or some, somehow do something with it. It's just to see it for what it is. Oh, that's just a thought. 
oh, that's just a judgmental thought. Oh, the mind is just judging right now. That's all it's doing. Oh, I see Mara. It's just Mara whispering in my ear. That's all it is. And there's the freedom. Because I see the experience for what it is, which is a thought. And just reflect on how ephemeral thoughts are. I mean, they don't even really have a substance to them. Isn't that a trip? I mean, they're just like words that are happening in our minds, sometimes some sensations and feeling with them, and that's it. And we can create a, like a whole self around those thoughts. Isn't that just crazy? Because it's just a thought. It's just, it's just like a, a sound of a car passing by, and yet somehow we claim it and say, this is me and mine. This is really who I am. But it's kind of as crazy as hearing the sound of a car pass by and saying, oh, this is who I am. I'm a sound of a car. <laughs> it's just the sound of a car. Why would I want to do that? <laughs> Something that comes and goes. That, that is just a sound that arises in the mind. And yet the mind gives it so much weight. Can you begin to engage in this, to see Mara? Oh, Mara, I see you. And do you hear that the Buddha doesn't have to get angry at Mara? Doesn't have to fight with Mara? He just has to see that Mara is Mara. Just has to see that it's the judgmental mind. It's just words that are arising, sometimes connected with maybe a feeling of fear or anger. And that's where the freedom is. And when I find, when there is a clear scene around these thoughts for me, and there's a real release around that, I think that's the feeling I get is re-inhabiting this body. Because what happens is there's a relaxation of, ha, huh, like that, that out-breath. And there's an opening where I feel like I'm coming back home to myself. Coming back into this body so I can actually live again and be here for this life. Because it's the judging mind that separates me from the beauty of having this intimacy with my life and also with others because it separates me. When I'm lost in my judgment of myself and thinking my, how horrible I am, I can't, I can't really connect with others. Have you noticed that? It's like it, it can be such a huge cloud is what I notice is that I'm, I, I feel like I'm too nervous or too fearful to really just kind of be there with somebody else. And also with the story of the Buddha, what I want to point out is that it's not that the st thoughts stop. One of the most striking things about these, these discourses is even after the Buddha is fully awakened, there are stories of Mara, of Mara still visiting the Buddha. The freedom is, is that after the Buddha is awake, fully awake, is that he just knows that it's Mara. So maybe you have these thoughts, maybe we'll have these thoughts the rest of our lives. But so what? If I can see it, that it's just Mara, that it's just really the same as the sound of a car, there's the freedom. It doesn't matter if they're arising or not. I don't have to have the desperation for them to end right now because I know what they are. They're just ephemeral thoughts and feelings and sensations. Hafiz puts it well. There's a, there's a poem... Uh, kind of connected with uh, Daniel Ladinsky, um, who did some translating of, of Afiz. 
called Crooked Deals. So he says, there is a madman inside of you who is always running for office. <laughs> Why vote him in? <laughs> for he never uh, keeps the accounts straight. <laughs> he gets all kinds of crooked deals happening all over town that will just give you a big headache and glue to your kisser a gigantic confused frown. And that's, that's what we're trying to practice, is not voting in the madman in your head. <laughs> Just that. <laughs> so how to deal with that, that madman in your head, how to deal and how to navigate the judging mind. As I said, it's all about how I relate to judging. I want to share with you yet another image that might be helpful for getting a sense of, of uh, the judgmental mind and relating to it differently. And this comes from um, Digul Kensei Rinpoche, a, 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 a really one of the great Tibetan practitioners of the 20th century. He says, these trains of thought and states of mind are constantly changing, trains of thought like judging the judgmental mind. And they are like the shapes of clouds in the wind. But we attach great importance to them. An elderly person watching children play knows very well that their games are of little consequence. And this elderly person feels neither elated nor upset at what happens in the children's games. While the children, though, take it very seriously. Our practice is to be like that elderly person. Right, like shapes of cloud, clouds in the wind, so ephemeral. Right, the, the wisdom that comes with age of of just seeing children playing. Why, why take those games and those narratives and those stories so seriously? How do I do this when judgment is arising in the mind? In meditation, what I find powerful is if I can get to the point where, for example, I'm paying attention to the feeling of the breathing, then the mind's lost in thought, and then there's the recognition, maybe, that those thoughts are judgmental thoughts. It's just the one word label, judging. Oh, interesting, judging. Because what's implied in that word is that they're just judgmental thoughts. They're not me. They're not mine. They're just these clouds. Oh, judging. Judging's arising. And sometimes I'll add the phrase to help cultivate a little bit of, of a quality of curiosity. Oh, judging's like this. Oh, interesting. There's the tightness in the body. Interesting. Oh, there's the fear. Oh, there's that harsh voice. Oh, judging's like this. Interesting. Yeah, this is what it feels like. feels just like this. And sometimes if I've, I'm really hooked or caught by those judgmental thoughts, and I can just 
just to recognize there's, there's judging. Sometimes I need some compassion for myself. Wow, this is tough. This is really hard right now. And just that. And I care about myself. Here's the judging mind again. So that a quality of ca kindness and compassion comes into this, this activity of being aware. And sometimes, in order to have a more skillful relationship to the judgmental mind, sometimes I need to soften around the judgments. So sometimes I'll use other phrases, either in my life or in my sitting meditation, where um, I'll use the phrase uh, or the phrases, oh, of course, oh, of course you're angry at me for doing that. Or oh, no wonder you're so so judgmental of me for, for that. Oh, you're scared. Oh, interesting. Oh, there's, so, so often there's a quality of fear underneath it. So it's understanding that point of view. Oh, no wonder you hate me. You don't want me to do that. Oh, of course there's that feeling. And hopefully you hear in that, sometimes that is the relationship of an elderly person to a child. Oh, no wonder you want the piece of chocolate or no wonder you're crying about that. I get it. Because so much of what makes the judgmental mind difficult for me is the fighting of it. It's like, boy, there's like a battle going on. And when I battle it, it just gets angrier and angrier. But when there's the understanding, there can be so much of the softening. Because it's like seeing Mara. I, I understand where Mara's coming from. I get it. There's no need to fight it. Not that I believe that point of view, but I can understand it. Maybe when I share that, you can feel the softening that comes with that kind of understanding. It's just a thought, and I, I, can, I can understand that point of view. So I don't have to be in contention with it. doesn't mean I believe it or I go down that road, but I soften around it. Because in some ways, what I've noticed about the judgmental mind is it's just trying its best to help me out. It's not really good at it, but it's trying. <laughs> And a lot of times, if I can acknowledge that, there's a softening. And when there's a softening, there's more awareness. And then I can just see Mara for Mara. I don't need to fight with Mara. And I, I, I want to name some other things that can be helpful around the judgmental mind. One is, is um, there is a time, this is a real art to this, there is a time to use a skillful, that's enough. Where the thoughts just keep on going, I've had a quality of, of compassion and softening, I notice that it's judging, and sometimes it's just good to be like, you know, that's enough, I'm going to direct my mind in a different direction. Not as a way of avoiding or fighting, but just to kind of stop it. Because it can be so habitual. Have you noticed this? It just, it can be feel habitual and familiar, and it's like, why not? This is what I always do. <laughs> and it can be really helpful to have a little bit of a firm "that's enough," not out of anger or aversion. Just, yeah, I'm I'm not going to go down that road anymore. It's unhelpful and it's unskillful. And it is tricky because so often we do that when we get frustrated with it, and then we're doing it out of anger. And this is something different. There's a a strength and a steadiness that comes with that kind of no. 
So I'm stopping to engage in that dialogue as best I can and, and redirect the mind. And there can be other kind of ways of um, navigating it that can be helpful. Like sometimes, <laughs> or this, this is helpful. I learned this from my wife. I remember <laughs> first got together, I'd come home sometimes late at night. It seems like late at night, a lot of times, <laughs> judgmental thoughts like really have a good time in my life. <laughs> so I'd come home and <laughs> be like beating myself up about anything and she would just like completely exaggerate it like yeah Brian you really are like the most horrible person in, in the world and probably everybody really does hate you yeah that's probably true and it ended up being sounding so ridiculous you know what I mean <laughs> but I finally got the point that this is like not really worth pursuing <laughs> and it and it brought a sense of humor to it because once I could laugh at it then it has no more no more power to it right if I can see the ridiculousness of it, it can be really so powerful. And a lot of this is just getting a sense of that they're just kind of like these thoughts that kind of come into the mind. One teacher, uh, Joseph Goldstein, <laughs> sometimes invites practitioners to imagine those thoughts that just kind of come into your mind like that, just as if they're like thoughts that are that are um, coming from the person behind you, just kind of like kind of percolating through, not yours, but just kind of percolating through like those clouds in some kind of manner, so that so that we don't have to claim them. Just see, oh wow, this is just a random thought. Maybe it just came from the person next to me, or from the bus passing by, and there it is. So that we change our relationship to these judgmental thoughts. And maybe, like me, you might notice when there's less of that judgmental mind, I feel like I am here more for my life and for others. It's like, it's like this world opens in such a beautiful way. The simple things start to pop out in a way that really are so touching when I'm not lost in that world. And I think that's the promise of stepping out of the judgmental mind, uh, uh, judgmental mind is we get to be here for our lives and the lives of others. So let's uh, stand up and stretch a little bit and move around and then we'll begin our sitting meditation together. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.